have been doing a series called Good News for the Weary Soul. Not because we're weary, but because actually life without a revelation of the good news leaves us grasping at half-truths, grasping at what we think about Jesus, but we can't see it from the other angle. And the enemy is clever, and he reveals a challenge from the other angle, and we've got to now have a broad and biblical representation of Jesus and everything he's achieved for us on the cross. His life, death, and resurrection. And so we've looked at these truths and we jumped into justification and realized we've been forgiven. We've been set free. But it's not just that. There's a status change in when the Father sees us. He just doesn't see, oh, someone he's let off the hook. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. Why? Because we've been bestowed upon that because of the price paid by Christ. And it is a status change of every individual. It is a perspective, first of God's perspective to us, but that has to affect and translate to our own perspective of self, that I'm not some lowly sinner just holding on to the coattails of God that maybe I'll make it through. No, I've been justified, and that changes everything. And then we spoke about redemption and, and jumped into this idea that actually every one of us is born into slavery. Of come some kind, the slavery of our souls, if first and foremost by the fact that we are sinners, but other areas that the enemy wants to come and put chains around believers. But Jesus came as our redeemer. He paid the price, and because he paid the price perfectly, as the perfect sacrifice, we are set free and no longer slaves. How amazing. It's got to come in. It can't just be this head knowledge that we hold on to. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a slave. It can't be. It's got to be a revelation that gets deep inside of our souls. Then we spoke last week about a word that most of you struggled to pronounce most of the week. And I've had people come and say to me, propitiation, a number of different ways. And again, Josh, it's not precipitation. Just, it's different. But it's this incredible truth that, yes, Jesus has paid our price, and yes, he took our place, and yes, he set us free. But it wasn't just that. He came and not just took our place, but he satisfied the wrath that should have been ours, the wrath of God against the sin that so easily entangles believers. And if most want to throw that theology out because they can't understand a God is wrath, but it's not a God who's wrathful with his people. He's not having a bad day. It's a God who knows that sin destroys and kills his people. And that had to be satisfied by a perfect sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins, Jesus. It starts to give us an incredible picture, but it pulls us and doesn't just leave us there. It changes everything and it pulls us into a new life and a new story. And so today, as we land this short series, I trust your heart is expounded, exploded to what God has done. We're looking at regeneration today, which is a big word for other words that we use in the Bible, like the second birth or being reborn. Or, or, or this language that gets thrown out in the Bible and thrown around and in church. When I was in church in the 80s or the 90s, I will say worship was a little different. The band didn't play a fight. I don't know what they were playing in that announcement, but that was awesome. I want to hear that again. Like, and, and, and then, so church was different, but the word uh, born again was thrown around a lot. Like, I just remember everyone said, are you born again? You're born. I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? What does that mean? Like, how does that work? And, and it's this language. And the problem is, I think over time, we've watered down the beauty, the wonder, and the absolute splendor and glory of new birth. So all of these truths of justification, propitiation, redemption, they remind us of what Jesus has done. But ultimately, the Bible uses language like born again. 
dead to life. And so people get stuck in the place of the church and they go, oh, they're hypocrites and awesome. No, if you walked in with a perspective, the Bible says the church is just a place where dead men and women walk around. Because they were dead in their sins, dead in every opportunity. But Jesus brought them to life and Jesus has raised them up. And they're on a journey of being regenerated with Jesus. It is done and it is being done. It is complete and yet not complete entirely, but it's because of Jesus entirely. And when we have that revelation, we start to live with that understanding. It is astounding. And we won't struggle to sing of the goodness of God because you'll realize no matter bank accounts or emotional statements or whatever's going on in your life, if you were dead and you were now alive, you would not be looking for, well, how do I make it better? I don't know if you've met someone who's had open heart surgery and, or even a heart replacement where people play and they, they literally have taken their hearts out and, and you speak to them and Straight off the operation, they'll be able to describe every detail of the machines that kept their hearts alive and the transfer and and the doctor and the hours, and and they'll describe it over time, that story dissipates a bit. As the scar heals and and the special oils they put on to make the scars heal, we try and we move on and we forget the absolute wonder that you were dead. You were lying on a doctor's table with a heart outside of your body and they had to pump electricity into your body, I think. I'm just going from the movies. But but the... They pump that, that thing, you know, poof, that thing. Def- get the defibrillator. Defibrillator. Was I right the first time? Later. We're just going to go with the, the later. I know it's got that in the word. And if that life comes into the body. Every time someone gives their life to Jesus, every time they count, it's that same life, dead to life. And so... If you struggle with the language, if you struggle with the story, that's not the issue. The issue is what Jesus does. I've just spent the last two, three days with a guy I met at 20 years old, and, and, and we've walked the last 25 years of our life together. And our lives have taken very different paths, but the one thing happened that changed forever is both of us encountered God and came from dead to life. And I've watched the life story for 25 years. I've watched the grace of God, and we just sat and for, spoke about 25 years of God's goodness. 25 years of God's grace, and it's not been perfect, and it's not been glorious every single day, but it's 25 years of dead people who are now alive by the grace of God. And as we speak of regeneration, I just want to put some of those building blocks to remind us how glorious and wondrous it is, because there's no point having to be able to teach on redemption without an understanding and living the reality. I'm alive, and I'm free because of. But I've got to live with the revelation of freedom, joy, and life. So I want to take us just to a scripture in John chapter 3. And most people, when you say John chapter 3, they think, oh, 3.16, I got that one. I got it, I got it. I'm good. If you don't know John 3.16, that's also fine. But, um, but I want to go to John 3, chapter verse 1, where Jesus meets a teacher named Nicodemus. And it's this incredible encounter. It's a conversation. It's an awkward conversation with a Jewish leader who's questioning Jesus' authority. He's coming and asking for questions about this thing being born again. What does that mean? He's a, he's a religious man of high standing in the day. He probably grew up in the right family. He studied the right things. He's got the degrees of the day. He's got all the regalia. He's lived a life that would have met the markers of what a good religious man should live. And yet he knows when he's on his own praying and trusting that he is powerless. And so he's coming to someone who's got power. He comes to Jesus. 
And you'll notice he calls Jesus a rabbi. Jesus hadn't studied in the way that they'd studied. There is no reason he should have called Jesus a rabbi other than the reality that he had a revelation. This man is something different. And so let's go to that encounter which precedes John 3.16. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do, not, do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes may have eternal life. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus, we worship you. We pray just for a revelation of what you have done, achieved, won, the victory, and the dead-to-life reality of salvation. We give you all the glory, all the praise, and we ask, would you do it again? Would you do it again? Amen. So Nicodemus, right family, right upbringing, <clears throat> right living, all the laws, comes to Jesus at night. He wouldn't come at night. Comes to Jesus at night. And I would present that Nicodemus is most of us. We want to make these characters in the Bible someone else, but it's most of us. We want to come to Jesus at night because we're not sure we want our daylight life to know that we're seeking truth. And we want to keep them day and night apart. And he comes because he's not sure how to reconcile everything he's learned and everything he stands for and everything that underpins his authority and status in the day. He's not sure how to navigate the difference of that life with what he sees in Jesus. But he sees something in Jesus, so he can't stay away. He can't stay away. So he comes at night. And he makes this amazing statement that as he presents and he comes to Jesus, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Who's we? This is actually all the brothers who have all the regalia and all the religious things that look so good. And as they walk down the streets, people bow down and give them honor. All these people, we know you have authority. Authority we don't have. We've got the status. We've got the title. We've got it all in that regard. We just don't have what you have. And he comes to Jesus and he challenges. And he would have been challenged like most of us are challenged when we come to the idea or the thinking of new birth, second birth. Number one, by the literal understanding. Hey, hey, brother. And, and we put signs up on the streets. You must be born again. And the oak jarring past go, ah, the first time was tough. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> Woman are jarring past. Definitely not doing that again. 
They struggle with the literal. So we need to understand what that means and understand and present to people and get them over those hurdles. Second, he would have struggled because of religious authority. Who is Jesus? In that religious world, no authority. And yet he comes and lays his authority down to come before Jesus. And there's a, every time we come to Jesus, there's got to be a bowing down before his authority in our lives. Every time. For every person. He would have struggled with straightness and identity. He would have known that, shucks, I can't allow this guy's ministry to continue because it'll literally, totally erode every bit of traction my ministry has. Remember, his finances would have come from his religious status. His everything would have come from his religious status. So he comes at night to try and reconcile. And then he would have struggled with the exclusive understanding that actually you can only, you can only, you can only enter into the kingdom of God. If you're born again. Now, as we understand that conversation, it's now going to come to us and it starts becoming theology. It starts come landing in doctrine and start presenting to us that this is really, really, really important. And for the sake of time, so we can enjoy time together as a family, I want to make a few simple points so you are aware of how important the regeneration. Again, what is the regeneration? It is that birth in Christ. It's that new life that comes into our story that is not done and cannot be done by man. And I hope you, if you've heard anything in the last few weeks, please understand this. In terms of what is achieved in salvation, you can do nothing. Say this, I can do nothing. Nothing. And Christians are walking around with a wrong understanding of what salvation is and who does it all. And they're living under the condemnation that they haven't done enough. And they start living a yin-yang Christianity, which is a lie. And it is the most tiring place in the world. And you wonder why I have a weary soul because I keep coming to God like I'm still a slave. I keep coming to God like I'm still outside. I keep coming to God like a servant approaching a table going, I hope I get a meal today. It's got to shift to understanding what has God done. It's incredible. And he, he makes this incredible statement. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised when he's saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. First of all, let me make this point about being born again or regeneration in Christ. It's a work of God. You can't do it. You can't. You can't. That's why praying mothers are important. Because mothers can tell their kids what to do. They can tell them what to be. And you can keep shouting at your kid till he's 74. But unless he has a revelation of Jesus himself, it won't happen. So you've got to be in, in the closet. I don't know, prayer closet. You've got to pray in the closet. I don't know why we say that. I've never actually climbed into a closet to pray. Ever in my life. But maybe one day. But, but it's essential that we understand that it is a sovereign work of God, but it's an essential sovereign work of God. That's why you can't use just top-line thinking and convince someone that the gospel is the right. And we try to do it, and I see people arguing, guys, unless you understand, that unless the Spirit of God brings the Word of God alive, you will not see it. You'll be looking at it like gibberish, going, what is it? It's like me trying to read code that someone's written to, to make an app. I would be looking, going, hmm. Wow. Just see a lot of ones and like things. Just I have no idea what that means. It's the same. 
Unless the Spirit of God sovereignly enlightens them. But, but what does that mean? Well, number one, it's essential. Jesus says, no one can enter unless you're born again. No one. But what about really good people like Nicodemus who had no one, Nicodemus. Nicodemus saying, no one? But what about me and the life I've lived and the efforts I've looked after the poor, I've given away? No one. It's essential that we understand that. The rich young ruler struggled with it as Jesus challenged. And although we think the rich young ruler is about money, I'm telling you, it's about a revelation of salvation. Because when I get a revelation of salvation, nothing competes or compares to what Jesus has done in my life. And money takes a place here rather than here. There's no bargaining. And the implication is there's no Jesus package where we or package in Christianity where we add Jesus to our story. No, we are born again. It means you leave everything else behind. And you come to the spiritual being rebirthed in Christ again afresh, as vulnerable as you were when you were born naturally. The difference is this time you're born spiritually. You come alive spiritually. Your eyes are open spiritually. And you are just a newborn baby. I love hanging around new believers. I love it. It, it, bring, it reminds me of, of passion. It reminds me how I'm called to uh, people who've just seen God and re- had this love revealed. I remember Candace uh, got saved years and years ago. And I had just come back and we met and I fell in love and she took a little longer. So I got to watch. She, no, she gave me that line. I said, listen, I'm quite interested. Could we date? She says, you know what? I'm just, I'm loving Jesus right now. And I'm like, ah, oh, such a good line. What do I say? I'm normally good at speaking, but that time I had nothing. I'm like, enjoy Jesus. But I remember watching her come to meetings and come to prayer meetings and, and go home and telling her family about Jesus had done with, with unabandoned, with, with no kind of filters. It's a miracle. It's a tra- transformation that happens, but it's an essential process. So people say, but, but can I still have Jesus in this? Mm. Probably not, unless you can take it through a rebirthing process. Second, I want to just tell you it's a miracle, and I've referred to it. It says, flesh give birth to flesh, but the spirit give birth to spirit. He's speaking to Nicodemus. said, Nicodemus, you're asking questions that unless you lay down all your religious preconditions and thoughts, you will never be able to get to the other side. He says, you were dead, as Ephesians 2 tells us, you were dead in your transgression sins. He's speaking to Nicodemus, saying, Nicodemus, you are dead in your transgression sins. And Nicodemus comes, but I'm like the religious head of the people. No, you're dead. You're dead, you're dead, you're dead. And every person, before they have been through the regenerative rebirth, reborn in Jesus and by His grace, they're dead in their sins and transgressions. I know we don't like that, and I know it sounds offensive, and it is offensive. I know that. And we live in a world where don't offend anyone. No, the gospel is offensive. So understand, just by proclaiming the name of Jesus, your life is offensive. I was at a dinner on Friday night with this mate of mine, my best mate, for 25 years. And he's a serious lani, so we had a dinner with some serious lani's, and they didn't know who I was. So he introduced me as, no, we met when we were in corporate world a long time ago. So this guy thought I was still in the corporate world. We spent the whole night talking to each other. He became my best mate through the night. And then the table went a little quiet. He says, well, what are you doing now? And I knew. 
And everyone went quiet because they're all like, because he's a serious Lonnie. A few of you actually work for him. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, actually, I'm a pastor. I can't actually say what he said initially. <laughs> and then he says, did I pay you for that? <laughs> and there was a very intriguing conversation that came. And you realize this is a guy who's been around the church a long time. It's a guy who understands something of the church. But a revelation of Jesus as Savior was missing. We started a conversation that I hope will continue and go on the journey. But we've got to understand this is essential. And secondly, it's a supernatural miracle that unless God opens up the eyes of man or woman to Him, that journey is not possible. You just got to know that. You got to set that. That's why prayer is really important. That's why beating people with the word and telling them how wrong they are doesn't help anyone. Unless God moves in a room, in a moment, in a, nothing changes. And lastly, I want to tell you, we experience that transformation, that regenerative story. It's not by our endeavor. I'm going to be really good. No, I've tried that. I have lied to God thousands of times. Remember being 16 years old. God, I'm going to read the Bible every day. I'm 45. I can promise you it hasn't happened. God, I'm, I'm never going to look at that or do that or think that. I've done all of them probably hundreds of times. But we experience it. It says, Jesus puts it this way. The wind blows wherever it pleases. He's talking about the regenerative process in our lives. It says, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And the wind is a representation of the Spirit of God. My best of those guys, you get to a golf course and they're trying to work away the windows. They're walking around like this. I'm like, what are you trying to pick up a signal? They, they, I know the wind's coming from there. I'm like, really? Your finger told you that? It's incredible. It's unbelievable how powerful your finger is. And I personally enjoy the old grass thrown in the air, but that's just me. But it's, it's this rebirth, this new birth is a, is a wind of the Spirit blowing. And you can't determine where it comes from. And you'll never be able to tell how strong it is. We were driving the other day, towing something into, and I was going, she, the car's struggling. But you can't see anything because we were in a desert. And because we were into a massive headwind. But you can't see it. And same as the sometimes in our lives with the Spirit of God, you're not going to be able to see immediately. If you gave your life today, you might not see the change immediately. But God has done it, and God is moving. And by my faith placed in Jesus, I'm saying, Jesus, have it all. I'm not doing it. I'm trusting what He's doing in my life. And I can't see the process, but I get to look back, and I get to sit with my best mate 25 years later. 25 years is a long time. I've got to see him navigate, walking away from a life, and he was this accountant, model, arrogant kid. That's who I met. And I remember people in the church didn't quite like him so much. I couldn't understand it. Maybe because he was an accountant, model, arrogant kid. But I watched God get involved in the story, and then I watched him meet a young lady, and I watched his whole way of having relationships and what he wanted out of them change, and them navigating a journey to marriage, and then navigating difficult things in marriage, and navigating disappointments, and navigating failures, and navigating success, and now navigating life. And I'm going, thank you, God, for the wind that blew. And we didn't even see what you were doing, but you were doing it in a life group, and you were doing it in prayer meetings, and you're doing it on Sundays, and you're doing it on the beach as we prayed as young men, because we had no clue what our futures held. 
you were doing it. The new birth. So what does it look like as we land this morning? Well, it looks like this. God takes you from being an orphan. Just, I just want you to know that's what the Bible says. You were orphans. You were not loved. You were running around trying to find love. You were trying to find affirmation. You were trying to find, and you had no way to make your own way there. So Jesus came in redemption. He came justification. He came in power. He came in the perfection of his blood. And he said, I can make a way for you to come into family. And the, God says, it looks like a new family. Oh, but I don't, I'm not even sure I like anyone at church. It doesn't matter. You're going to be singing songs of praise for eternity. Get to like them. Get to learn a name. Because it's going to be awkward in heaven when you were in church with someone for 30 years. And go, uh, remind me. It's definitely with an S. No, it's, it's Thomas. It's close. Why? Because you're knitted into a new family and you're no longer an orphan and you're pulled into a story and you're not stuck in, in the inability to find your way into that family. You see, human birth, and he says, flesh gives birth to flesh, which is glorious and miraculous and a gift of God, but there's a much greater birth. He says, spirit gives birth to spirit. I need to come alive in the spirit of God. I need to come alive and I'm knitted into a new family called the family of God. The priesthood of all believers. I'm knitted into a story. I get a new I, a promise of this is that it continues, and I'm rushing a little bit, but it says this, 1 Peter 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus and the dead. It is, I'm knitted into a new story. So I'm knitted into a new family. I'm no longer an orphan. That's why that song became the number one song in the world. My mate's daughter was struggling thing. She's 13 years old, and they gave her this song. She listened to that song every day. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because she's been knitted in. She's got a glorious father. Secondly, I want to tell you this. We get a new identity. A new identity. And in a world where everyone is so confused about their identity, and my one's definitely not good enough because I'm insecure about it, so I'm going to adopt a new one, and it's crazy, and it's going wild. I come back to the Bible, and the Bible tells me from John chapter 1, yet to all who did receive him, to all. Say all. All is a big, all-encompassing word. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave he gave, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave, you didn't earn it. Self-righteous Christian thinking you're better than someone else. Let me just help you. You did nothing, yeah. nothing. You didn't earn it. He gave it. You received it. You received it. He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. What's it saying? It's saying if you're the product of a, of, of a prostitute mother, birthed with a father who wasn't around, and you got pulled into that story, and for your whole life you lived with the insecurity of that. Now I want to tell you about my mate named Gary Stain, who that was his story, and God raised him up and pulled him into his family, redeemed his life, and gave him a future and a hope. Why? Because God said, I am your father. It doesn't matter where you come from. It says, no man's will has any hold on your story or your identity when you have been reborn in Jesus. Nothing, nothing. Nothing. 
You want the chains and generations to be chains? This, and, 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 and I believe in generational chains, but I'm telling you in the church, we put them up on this like up there altar. Now the Bible says broken. The Bible says not born of human natural descent. Why? Because it's supernatural. Not nor of human decision. Oh, my parents decided to have a child and it was me, but my dad never wanted me. No, those are hurtful, destroying things until you realize you've been reborn and you have a glorious father. He loves you. 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 Ephesians 1 says it this way. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance. He's saying, you are blessed, you are loved, you are chosen, you are holy, you are adopted, you are redeemed, you are forgiven. It's in Jesus. It's the last message I'll get to preach. It's not in the church. It's not in your religious activity. It's not in your endeavor to be good. It's not in your generosity. Those are all wonderful things. You need church. You need community. You need to be more like God and go on journeys of growth and generosity. But I'm telling you, the only basis for anything of it that leads to life is Jesus, the rock on which I stand. Jesus. And lastly, you get a new mentality, a new mind, a new way of thinking. Romans 12 speaks about let your mind be transformed. You want to know the will of God? And I would encourage you to go on the journey of seeking the will of God for your life. It's not just a young person's journey. It's an every person's journey. One way you do that is about having a reformed mind as played out and laid out in Romans 12. So you get a new family. And if you're in this place and you don't know what it looks like, you get a new family. Little Hilda. Norman walked up onto the stage and says, Grandpa Norman. I wouldn't have seen that in the church I grew up in because of the dividing walls and brokenness of this side of eternity. But because God built something called his family, he'll do it. If you allow him to lead you. New family, a new identity, a new mentality, a new way of thinking. Can you stand with me this morning as we land? We need to get outside. We might have to delay the 10.30 a little bit so that we can have fun, which is fine. As we preach this series, my, my only endeavor is for you to see Jesus. If all you're seeing is, a, I've got more thoughts about Jesus, that's not enough, sir, man. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, sir. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, man. Turn, turn. You're stuck in debt on this side of eternity? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
You feel like you're not good enough? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. The enemy lying to you. Saying that if you took your life, no one would care. Trying to rob and steal from the promise that you've been knitted to a family. My only desire and prayer is that you would turn your eyes upon Jesus this morning. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you, Jesus. We give you glory and honor and praise in this place. Jesus, there is no one like you. Majestic in all of your ways. I pray those who've received your grace this morning would have a revelation of what you've done. What you've done, what you've done, what you've done. Thank you, King. Thank you, God. Thank you for life, new life. Thank you, God. Before we leave this place this morning, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, you're saying like Nicodemus, I've tried really hard, I've done all the good things, and you're wanting to come to Jesus at night and maybe keep your one life aside, but take Jesus on the side, I would call on you this morning to make a decision to worship Jesus as your Lord and Savior and say, Jesus, would you come? Would you come that I might be reborn of the Spirit? Not the endeavors of the flesh, but reborn of the Spirit that brings life. If you're here this morning, ever made that decision, you're not making a decision for me, for this church. You're making a decision which all eternity will shout and celebrate. Declare your name into eternity. Welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. If you haven't made that decision, will you raise your hand right now? And I want to pray with you as we leave, as we take this moment. But I don't want to leave without giving that opportunity. Is there anyone here this morning saying, I haven't made that decision? Thank you, ma'am. Is there anyone else? If you could just raise your hand, I'd love to pray with you and we'll celebrate with you this morning. Amazing. Thank you, Jesus, for life. Never to be the same. Thank you that every crimson stain has been washed clean by your grace and your blood this morning. Thank you that your blood never fails. Today we declare what was dead and the person who was dead in their sins and transgressions is alive in you, Jesus. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. And we'll celebrate and testify what you've done today. Thank you, God.